Go ahead and have a seat. So how many of you are familiar with the story Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Most of us in the room. As you saw, you saw Tim wearing a shirt today of that. Um, how many of you are familiar with the VeggieTales version of that, Rock Shack and Benny? few of you. few of you. Jackson, I know you know because you probably have seen it, or maybe you haven't. I don't know. But in this story... There's, it's a story of Nebuchadnezzar. He builds this 90-foot statue, this 90-foot gold idol that everyone is supposed to fall down and worship, that they're supposed to, um, when they hear this music play. In the VeggieTale version, there's this 90-foot chocolate bunny, which will be on the screen, and maybe it'll bring you some memories of, of that. And parents, you know, I, I think that, this still around. Last service they said VeggieTales are still around, so parents are still watching that because I don't even know if they exist. But at least my two older kids, they grew up watching VeggieTales, and I don't even want to tell you how many times I've seen this one and I've seen other ones. But um, this story that we're going to talk about today is found in Daniel 3, and it's kind of a long story, so I'm not going to read the whole version to you, read the whole thing to you. But I want to just kind of maybe refresh your memory of the story. And if you don't know the story, just listen and, and you'll, you'll get the idea just so you know the story that we're talking about. And as I said, King Nebuchadnezzar, who's a king of Babylon, he builds this 90-foot tall gold statue that's 9-foot wide. And he has everybody that's important come to dedicate this statue. Everybody that is somebody, all of his leaders, all of his governors, everybody that has a special spot in his kingdom is supposed to come to dedicate this statue. So think of like the Oscars or whatever that when they have the red carpet and they film everybody coming in the red carpet. It's kind of one of those affairs, a red carpet affair. And all these people are, are gathered and the king tells him, he goes, okay, when you hear this music and you hear all this music that's going to be played by all of the instruments of the day and when you hear that, you hear this loud noise and music, you're supposed to fall down and you're supposed to worship this statue. And if you don't, he tells them, here's the other thing that's going to happen to you. If you don't do this, then I've got this furnace. I've got this furnace that's really hot. And if you don't fall down and worship, I'm going to throw you in there. So sure enough, the music plays. Everybody falls down and worships this statue, except for three guys. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, in most large groups like this, even to this day, you always have those people, don't you? You always have that small group of people that go, well, look at those people. They didn't do what they're supposed to do. Look at those people. They need to do that. You know, I'm going to go tattle on them. So they're like, king, king, king. Look, look at them. They don't bow down and worship. They need to be punished. They do this, and the king's furious. The king is mad. He's in rage. So he, he says, he goes, go get those three people. Bring them in here right now. And so he explains it to him again. He gives him a second chance. He's, he's gracious to him. Gives him a second chance. Explains it to him. Then you, hey, when you hear the music, bow down and worship, and you'll be, all be good. Be fine. And they go, no. They refuse to. So now the king is enraged. Worse than he was before. He's even, he, he's, it even says that his face was distorted. 
Have you ever seen those people when they get so mad, their face kind of, it all gets contorted and they, they, it just, it's like they change. Like, who is that person? I don't know. That's what happened to this king. Like, his, his, he was so mad. He's so mad that he says, you know what? Go heat that furnace up to seven times its normal temperature. Just make that thing roaring. And he brings in the strongest men to tie Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, to tie them together. And so they're taken into the furnace. And as they're approaching the furnace, the furnace is so hot that the soldiers bringing them die because it's so hot. And when they die, that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego fall into the furnace. And then the king is sitting back, like, oh, a good bonfire now. I'm going to watch them burn. But then he looks and he says, he looks and he goes, he sees four people in there. And he sees them talking. Nothing's happening to him. And he's like, so he gets as close as he can to the furnace. And he says, he tells them to come out of there, come out of there. And then they come out. And what we see is that not, nothing was harmed on them. Not a hair on their head. Their clothes didn't smell. There was, there was nothing. You never would have known that was happened. And then we see King Nebuchadnezzar make this decree. This is found in verses 28 and 29. It says that Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted him and defied the king's commands and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut to p- into pieces and their houses turned into piles of rubble, for no other god can save in this way. So I read this story, and I saw four different groups of people, four different people's groups, groups of people that I think I identify with at certain times in my life. And that maybe by the time we're done, maybe you'll see some similarities in your life, and maybe you can identify with some of these different groups of people too. And some of you kind of are looking at me like scratching your head going, I thought this was just about three guys that went into a fire and then there was four in the fire and then they came out and God miraculously saved them and then everybody hugged and everybody was happy and and they all started to praise God. And it is a story about that. But my life, my life doesn't look like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. My life doesn't seem to be that way. Now, I'd be, if I told you it was, I'd be lying. I'd be standing up here lying to you that when I face situations like this in my life, when I face situations like these three guys, when I face trouble, that I, even threats of my life, that I just stood tall, that I just trusted in God. And I, and well, I, I see these words that, that they did to the king. Let me read these words to you. It's Daniel three sixteen through 18. It says, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If you were thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hands. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set before us. We'll talk about more of these guys later, these three guys, but like I said, I wish I could say that's how my life looked like. But I think... The other three sets of people, that's really what my life looks like a lot more times, or at certain times in my life, that's what my life kind of looks like. 
Now, the first person we meet in this story, or the first group I want to look at, is the king, King Nebuchadnezzar. And when you're the king, or when you're the leader, or the ruler, or the boss, or whatever it is, you get to have a certain amount of influence on people. Like, that's your job, is you influence people. And he rules over them. And sometimes he makes rules to do that. Now, some of us are parents. Most, a lot of us are parents in this room. And as a parent, don't you think you have a certain amount of influence over your child? Or you hope that you can influence them to make good choices? And sometimes, like I said, this, this comes in rules. So you make rules that if you follow the rules, then life will be pretty good for you you break the rules, then there's going to be consequences. There's going to be punishments. Like King Nebuchadnezzar made a rule about not worshiping. And King Nebuchadnezzar had influence over the people. Now, most of us in this room are, are, are like God, love God, follow God. So if we looked at what kind of influence did Nebuchadnezzar have when he created this idol, this, this gold statue to worship, I think we would look at this and say, you know, that's kind of poor influence. That's really not the best influence to have on somebody to make them worship a false idol. But what kind of influencer are you? What kind of influencer are you? What kind of influencer are we? Now, as parents, I want us to think of maybe the worst, the worst of the worst in us. Some trait in us that Maybe it's been passed down from our parents. So we go, man, I wish I didn't have that trait. And just think of that. You guys thought of one yet? Now, it might be just as simple as when you're hammering a nail and you're hammering and you hit your thumb. It doesn't feel very good. And there's some words maybe expressed that you wish you wouldn't have expressed. And guess what? Your little two-year-old's right there. And then what happens when your son or your daughter starts copying that same trait, that same thing that you don't like about yourself that's in your life, and you realize, you know what? I've now influenced my child and passed this on to them. I've passed that on down to them, and they're just copying what I've done because of my influence. It was kind of a sad day as a parent, wasn't it? When you saw you in your kids and you saw something you didn't like. Because we do have influence on each other in our lives. Now, Daniel was King Nebuchadnezzar's statue. He had influence amongst all the people there to fall down and worship this idol, even to somewhat to worship himself. Now, I can think of lots of, I have false idols in my life. Do you guys have any in your life, things that you, that you, maybe you don't think you worship, but you really do. One of them is, how many of you, left your cell phone at home today? How many of you maybe were in the car driving here and you had to go back and get your cell phone because you can't be without your cell phone, right? Kind of becomes an idol. Now, I blame Stan on this earlier, and he's not here so I can pick on him still, but I started golfing again, and I blamed it on Stan, and I asked him, I said, every year there's new clubs that come out, right? Every year there's a new driver that comes out, right? And I asked him, I said, you, you'd like that new driver, wouldn't you? He goes, oh, yeah. Becomes an idol to us. Hopefully I get to go on a, a 
my, a vacation in March that's not canceled, so I can actually go where we're, we're wanting to go, and it's warm. It's not minus 24 there. And um, hopefully I get to golf. So I start to daydream about these golf courses, daydream about that. But all of this, what this does is these idols, these things, they keep me distracted. They keep me distracted from what God has for me. Now, we, we don't necessarily have a king over us right now that influences us, but we do influence each other through various ways. Now, ad companies, Super Bowl was a couple weeks ago. Right? People pay a lot of money for an ad on the Super Bowl, don't they? To what? To influence us, to purchase something, to want something. Now, there's this, it's the craziest thing ever. I don't get this idea, but influencers. You guys heard of influencers before? Yeah, it's something on social media. My wife, what, Tipperelli, is that the name? I don't even know what her name is, but she influences people to go to certain places or influences people to buy certain things just by posting things on social media. And she gets paid, they get paid an awful lot of money to do this. To just go be on vacation 24 hours a day and take pictures and put it on social media. But what? To influence us on certain products. To influence us in all these ad companies. Really what they're doing is they're building some of these gold statues for us. These gold statues for us to, to maybe begin to worship and to want. But let me read this to you out of Hebrews 13.7. A different way to maybe influence people. It says, remember your leaders who taught you the word of God. Think of all the, the good that has come from their lives and follow the example of their faith. So what kind of influencer do you want to be? What kind of influencer are you going to be? Are you going to be one like Nebuchadnezzar who influenced people to worship gold statues, worship false gods, or in Hebrews as it tells us to follow the example of their faith, to follow the example, to follow the word of God, to follow, to follow Jesus. So what kind of influence are we going to be to each other? What kind of influence are we going to be to our family, to our neighbors, to our neighborhood, to our city? Now the next group of people are ones that when they heard the music, they fell down and they worshipped. These are people that just follow. They're followers. So who are you going to follow? Who are you going to follow? Are you going to just be a follower? Now in high school, it, many of you probably will relate to this story, and you can think of somebody in your, your high school, but growing up, there was, wasn't there always that person that was the athlete you know, played multiple sports, was all state. They, they dated the captain of the cheerleading squad. They, everybody followed them. Everybody wanted to be them. And they kind of said, determine kind of what was okay to do, what wasn't okay to do, what was popular, what kind of music you should listen to or couldn't listen to, what kind of clothes to wear, what kind of clothes you shouldn't wear, kind of dictated who was popular and who was not. Does anybody have, remember one, one of those people in their high school? Now, most of you come to second service, I wasn't at, didn't sit in second service last week, but first service, Dan told a bunch of lies about me. He said all these things, and they were, I know he was being nice, but 
you'd make it think that maybe that was me, but it wasn't me. No, I wasn't even close. I was a follower. Now, in our story of Daniel, we see that everybody was a follower. The mass, vast majority was just following. That <coughs> they just simply followed, and they didn't even think about the consequences. They didn't even think about them at all. You know, in high school, there was a house party we went to, and most of the school was there, but as usual with a party, police usually get called. So the party gets broken up. Everybody frantically runs away, and you hope you don't get caught, but you know what? The next Monday morning, guess who was called down to the principal's office? Me and several other people in, on the basketball team. And you know what happened? I found out there was a price to pay that following week in practice. So that time, it didn't work really, it didn't work out too well for me to follow. I didn't like practice that week. Now, Proverbs gives us some insight of following and who to follow and people to follow. Let's look at Proverbs 13.20. It says, walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. That night I just told you about, we were a bunch of fools. And I was with a bunch of fools. And, yep, we got in trouble. Now let's look at Proverbs 14, 15 through 16. Only simpletons believe everything they're told. The prudent carefully consider their steps. The wise are cautious and avoid danger. Fools plunge ahead with reckless confidence. Who wants to be called a simpleton and a fool? I don't really want to be called a simpleton and a fool. I don't want to be like the people that in this story were simpleton and fools maybe that just followed. Just followed what everybody else was doing. Now prudent and wise, that sounds like I can live with being called that. That's something that I don't mind if someone can, says that about me. Now what about Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen? Many of you probably have heard this one or know this, this proverb. It says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. So who do we want to follow? The simpletons are fools? Or do you want to follow someone that's wise and prudent? Someone where iron sharpens irons. That's what I want to follow, don't you? I want to follow somebody like that. Now, I also ask, do you have those people in your life? Do you have those people in your life that are prudent and wise? Those people where iron sharpens iron, where you're like mind. I'm not talking about the fools and simpletons because I have those in uh, my life and sometimes I, I might even be one of those. I know I have been one of those. But I want to read one more verse to you before we move on about that might influence you to maybe find some of those people to try to get those people around you. The iron sharpens iron. Ones that follow God, that follow Jesus. This is out of 1 Corinthians 15.33. It says, don't mis be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Doesn't mean we isolate ourselves. Doesn't mean we get all these group of people around us and we become sort of some elite club. Some holy roller club that that I can just be part of this club and I can't be around these certain people. 
Because there's this verse in Luke 5.31, and this is what it says. It says, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So let those of us that are healthy, or maybe healthy in God's eyes, maybe us, that we can, we can come together, and as Jesus says, we're righteous and healthy, and we can iron sharpens iron. But we can be prudent and wise. But I look at this verse in it, and we need to then go out to the sick. We need to go to those that need the doctor, that need Jesus. And we need to influence. We need to influence them and, and, and just tell them about Jesus. Maybe we need to live a life that, that reflects more of Jesus and makes them, influences them to at least look and consider Jesus. That we are becoming one of the wise and the prudent that iron is sharpening iron. And well, we become good company. Now, the last group I want to look at is, or the next group I want to look at is, is one that I, I have found it really easy to relate to, or one that I have probably have been this person a lot of times. One's, one's that just grumbles. One that just grumbles about things. One that just grumbles and just says, well, look at those people. They should be doing and want to get them in trouble. Maybe to even make myself feel a little better. So I ask the question, are you a grumbler? Now in our story, remember this group of people. The, the text tells us they were astrologers. But they, they told the king on these three guys that, you know what? These guys didn't fall down and worship this statue. It's those guys there. You need to do something about that. The, the ones that I can find in my time, a lot of times in my life, I said, you know, look at those people. They're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. They should be doing that. And you know what? They need to be punished. Now, Monday, I had to drive to Bozeman. And if anybody's a truck driver in here, I'm, I'm not picking on you. I, I like truck drivers. In fact, at one time, I wanted to be a truck driver. So, But the roads were solid ice when I went to Bozeman on Monday. I mean, it's usually a two-hour, little under two-hour trip now if you can drive the speed limit. It took me my, the full three and a half hours to get there. And, you know, those trucks, you know, they, they'll be driving. All of a sudden, one will only be going 30 miles an hour. But then you go to pass that, and you can't pass that because the other one's driving 60 miles an hour and is passing you. And then there's a big whiteout because snow has gone all over, and now you can't see anything. And I'm sorry. Like I said, I'm a grumbler. I became mad. I grumbled. I grumbled, and you know what? I, I want to take the number that's on the back of their truck, and I want to call somebody, and I want to tell their boss, and I want them to be punished. I want them to pay. But what are they going to, for what? They didn't do anything wrong. They're not speeding. They're not, they're just doing their job. They did anything wrong, but I'm grumbling. Now, I've also been on the other side where I've been the one that has been the one that people want to point the finger at. Maybe you guys have too, but a few months ago I was in LAX, airport in Los Angeles, and there was these people walking around and, and their, kind of their stature was, you know, it was kind of like if Arnie was walking around with a bunch of his buddies and they're all puffed up and acting tough and, and uh, they're wanting to get people in trouble and, you know, not very intimidating, I'm sorry. I, I, and and they're, they're well, they're the COVID police. 
they were the COVID police running around looking for masks, people that weren't wearing masks. That's right. And so I'm, I had my mask on, so I don't know what would have happened if I didn't, what they would have done to me. But they weren't very threatening, but there's that other side of the people too. I've been on both sides of this. And that's what these astrologers were. They were the people that told on the king. They told on them. They enraged the king. They stirred up trouble. Now, this last story of the COVID police, when you experience those people in your life, what do you think of them? How do you feel about them? How do you feel about them? Well, I don't really like them very much. Do you? really like them and maybe that's a sermon for another day or maybe it's a therapy session for me of how to deal with that but we can think of those people in our lives can't we and maybe we're at one of those people I don't know but if we really think and are honest we just don't like them very well do we but let me share these words out of Titus with you of a person maybe we want to be says and everything set them an example by doing what is good in your teaching show integrity seriousness and soundness of speech that cannot be condemned so that those who oppose you may be ashamed because they have nothing bad to say about us now as a grumbler that sounds like maybe something i want people to say about me maybe it makes me not want to be a grumbler anymore that i want to be that person that that i just read to you that where people have nothing bad to say about me. And Paul gives us these words in 2 Corinthians verse five, in chapter 5, verse 17. It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. So that old grumbler, he's gone. There's this new creation that's come. Like the people that we're going to talk about lastly in our story, these three guys, these three guys were in, weren't influenced by the king. They didn't just follow the masses. They weren't followers. They didn't sit down and grumble to God saying, well, I'm here and you're this and I can't worship this God and you're telling me to do this. They didn't grumble. In fact, I, what I call these guys is these guys were originators. So I ask, are you an originator? That's a, that's a strange word, isn't it? It's a strange choice of words that I, that I picked today. But an originator is a person who creates or initiates something. These, like I said, these guys didn't go along with the crowd. And if you were here last week, remember Stan said that these three guys were given new names. They were given new names that weren't very flattering because their names they had were things that cool names about God. These new names here were bad names about worshiping other gods. But that didn't change who they were. They didn't let that change who they were. They stood firm in their identity of God to the point of they were even thrown into the furnace. Now, I don't know about you, but the results of them being thrown into the furnace, what happened was kind of unexpected, wasn't it? Now, my... My experience is when you have a big fire, you throw something into the fire, it burns up, right? That's not what happened. That's not what we we see. And Shadrach, 
Meshach and Abednego were full of faith that God would deliver them from that fire. And did you pick up that one little line too that says if they didn't, God didn't deliver them? Maybe he didn't deliver them in the way they thought God should deliver them. Didn't seem to matter. Just said then he didn't. They didn't worry about it. But the thing is, is they weren't going to serve other gods. They weren't going to worship this gold statue. So that's why I said I find it easier to identify with these other three people. Because that's kind of hard, isn't it? To Someone walked in the store right now and said, okay, hey, preacher, man, you stop what you're doing or you do this or you do that. Or you sit down and worship something and says, or else we're going to take you to this big fire we got roaring in the parking lot, throw you in there. That's not very easy to do. I'm not sure what my response would be in that, faced with that situation. But these guys held firm with God. And what they saw was God deliver them. Now I'm going to pick up the story in verse 24. This is what it says. But suddenly Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, didn't we tie up three men and throw them in the furnace? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did, they replied. Look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men unbound walking around in the fire unharmed, and the fourth looks like a god. Then Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepped out of the fire. Then the high officers, officials, governors, and advisors crowded around them and saw that the fire had not touched them. Not a hair on their hair was, heads was singed, and their clothing was not scorched. They didn't even smell a smoke. Then Nebuchadnezzar said to the, praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel to rescue a servant who trusted in him. They defied the king's command and were willing to die rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I make this decree. If any people, whatever their race or nation or language, speak of the word against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they will be torn limb for limb, and their houses will be burned into heaps of rubble. There is no other God who can rescue us like this. So what do I mean by being an originator? Originators put their hands in God. They put their future in God. They, they know that whatever the circumstances that God has, this, has it all under control. They don't know how. They don't know how necessarily God's going to accomplish that or how he's going to do it. But just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when they went into that furnace, there was three of them. There was four in there, and there was three that came out. But the thing was, is God was present in their lives before they went in, while they were in there, and after they were in the furnace. And all that was burned up was the ropes. Remember, there's ropes that bound them up. That was the only thing that burned up in the furnace. That they were released from, by what bound them. Because they put their trust in God. To the point that they're willing to give their life to God. Now I think that's original. I think that's very original. Because everybody else... They were just followers. They were just followers because they thought that's what's going to preserve their life. So these three gods, guys, they were originators. Didn't go, went against popular opinion. They went against just fitting in, against worshiping other gods, against the 
idea that, well, everybody else is doing it, so why shouldn't I? Now, when your child comes to you and says, you know, they're maybe not doing something, and they try to say, you know what, well, everybody else is doing it, so I just, I'm tired of being that one that doesn't fit in, I'm just going to start doing it. And they use that as an excuse to start doing something that they know they really should. But they had a choice, didn't they? They had a choice of being an originator. They had a choice of being an originator and not do it and maybe originate something in somebody else to not do that also. Or they be can become a follower and just start doing and be like the masses that just are followers. And something in that, though, the masses can be an originator too, can't they? The originators can originate something inside of other people to start following a path that they shouldn't. So originators can go in either direction. Ones that take us away from God or ones that bring us to God. Now, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were originators that moved people towards God. Originators that had their beliefs in God and believed in God's commands. They didn't try to make God change to their situation. You don't see these guys trying to tell God, grumble to him to change it. They just accepted it. Like, at times when I, you know, if I don't get what I want, maybe I try to even read the Bible and justify to say, you know what, God, this is to get my way, to get what I want, to fit what I want. And when I don't get what my way, then I grumble. And I say, well, so-and-so does that, so-and-so this, so-and-so that. So why can't I? But then I can look at these three guys, and they didn't do that. They were originators of a better way. They were originators of a way that I can just leave whatever is in front of me in God's hands, and I can accept whatever that outcome is, knowing that God will deliver me. Now, if I just read in our story that you'll see that these three guys even originated a new decree by King Nebuchadnezzar, that their faith in God and that they're living their lives for God and their actions cause, well, they cause the king to praise the God, praise the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, the king was still violent. If you remember, he was going to, if people worshipped any other god or said anything bad about god he was still going to rip, rip rip them limb for limb and tear their house down so he's but he's learning god's god's trying to soften him a little bit but also i saw shadrach meshach and abednego they didn't create a scene they didn't yell and scream they just followed the path that god had in front of them so can we become originators some of us maybe already are but originators in our families, in our neighborhoods, in our cities. Originators that those around us, that they maybe they just stop. They're, they're, they're looking at the us and they're seeing that maybe we're having some influence and they just stop and they stop praising God. Originators that, that people just stop and they want what I have, what I demonstrate with my life, and they want that relationship with Jesus and to follow God. And don't we all have some originator in our life? Those of us that have accepted Jesus, that follow Jesus, a lot of us in this room, wasn't there an originator in your life? Someone that said, 
original things to you at the time that they were new to you. It said original things that put you on the path, maybe started you on a path that you're on now. That the way they lived their life was just original to you. The way they spoke about God, they spoke about Jesus, it was all original to me. And reality is, is these words weren't really anything new. They've probably been said before and before for hundreds of years. But the thing is, is they were new to me. The example they gave of how they lived, how they thought, all of those things, they were new to me. And didn't that eventually stir something inside of me, maybe inside of you? It originated something inside of me that made me want to pursue Jesus, to have this relationship with Jesus. And then when I, I did that, it originated something in me, in me. I became something new. I became a new creation. And then it grew inside of me. And then maybe I've had the opportunity to be an originator to somebody else. Look at Ephesians 4, through 24. It says, We are taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So yes, these people were originators. Something new was created in me. Now, a lot of us, including me, I've had plenty of people that have originated something that's not very godly inside of me. Maybe you've had those people too. But what I'm asking us today is that maybe the way we conduct ourselves, that we're around each other, that we, we, we become originators in people, that we become originators ourselves, that originators that people, they want to become original also, and they want to become original and follow Jesus, follow God. That through our influence, through us being original, originators in them, that they begin their own walk with God. And then at some point, maybe then they also become originators to others. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you for those are people that have come into my life that it showed me a new way, that were, it was an original thinking to me.